0: The Lord be with you. Welcome uh, to worship here at Grace Lutheran Church in West Kelowna, British Columbia. I'm Pastor Ed Scudzik. I'm one of the two pastors here at Grace Lutheran. The other is Pastor David Wonderlake, and um, he will be. Uh, we're going to. In in this is the service for. Palm Sunday, and Pastor David will be doing the service next week for Good Friday, and I'll be doing the service for um, uh, Maundy Thursday and Easter Sunday. We're going to continue to worship, to have services, even though we can't get together physically. We're going to be together using this wonderful internet. It will draw us together. It will bind us together. And I know Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they work through this internet to bind Christians together in love. So what we're going to do to begin the service, and this is important because, you know, we're all, we're all human beings. And we need to get right with God. And so what I'd like to do is first, offer uh, an opportunity for an order of confession and forgiveness. We make our beginning today in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, And from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take some time for self-examination and reflection. Most merciful God, we confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all of our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins, in the very name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our worship continues with our opening hymn, Hosanna, loud Hosanna. Hosanna. Please bow your heads with me with me for the prayer of the day. Almighty God, you sent your son, our savior Jesus Christ, to take your flesh upon our flesh upon him and to suffer death on the cross. Grant that we may share in his obedience to your will and in the glorious victory of his resurrection through your son Jesus Christ, our Lord who lives Lives and and reigns reigns with you you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now now and forever. forever. Amen. Our worship service continues with our readings.
1: The first lesson is from the 50th chapter of the book of Isaiah, verse 4 through 9. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me, who will condemn me. Here ends the reading.
2: Our psalm today is Psalm 92. Please read along responsibly from the screen. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And And to to sing praises praises to your name, O O Most High. To tell of your loving kindness early in the morning. And And of of your faithfulness in the night season. On the psaltery and on the lyre. And And to to the the melody of the harp. For you have made me glad by your acts, O Lord. And And I I shout for joy joy because of the works of of your hands. Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree and and shall shall spread spread abroad like a cedar cedar of Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They They shall be green and succulent, that they may show how upright the Lord is.
1: My rock, in whom there is no fault,
2: here ends the song.
1: The second lesson is from the second chapter of the book of Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father here ends the reading
0: our worship continues with the gospel acclamation how deep the father's love is for us Our gospel lesson for this Palm Sunday is found in the 12th chapter of the gospel according to St. John, beginning with the 12th verse. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it was written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had to be done to him. Please bow your heads with me for a word of prayer. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our salvation. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Spirit of God, fall fresh in us today. All this we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, as I said, you know, the Sunday before Easter Sunday is called the Palm Passion Sunday. But this year, I was really called, inspired, to really preach about the palms and the significance of the palms on Palm Sunday. And you know, it's interesting that only John's gospel sort of just says people came out and they had palms. All the other gospels talk about other um, plants, myrtles, and so on, myrtle branches. But John is very interesting. He, He says only one thing came out, palms. So you wonder, why? Why is John this way? Why does John... Just narrow in, focus in on this one thing of palms. To really come to understand or to really grasp that meaning, we have to look at what happens on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. As the gospel says, it had to happen. It was written in the Old Testament, It was written uh, that Jesus, Zechariah wrote, Zechariah 9.9, he wrote that one day the Messiah would come into Jerusalem and be riding on a donkey. And that was a sign to the people of God's favor that God was going to save them. But you look at that and say, well, why that sign? there's something that happens even further back. And it is the time when King David is the king of Israel. And it's at the end of his life, and he is bedridden. He can't, he can no longer move about. He is, he's confined to his bed. And you know, when something like that happens, you know that he, you create a vacuum and somebody fills it. So David's oldest son, because Absalom was gone, it was Abijah was next. And so what he does is he goes out, he goes to a general Joab, the priest Abathar, and men in the court, and he says to them, I think I would be a great king of Israel. And he was a good-looking man, And had all, like, the stature of a king. And so people began to look to him. And he began to hold feasts. And he invited all these people. And all these people of power were drawn to him in these great banquets. But King David had promised that his son Solomon would succeed him as a king. So, of course, Solomon's mother, like every good mother, immediately goes to David and says... What's going on? Your oldest son? He's trying to declare himself king. He's holding feasts, and, and he's courting people, and he's bringing them onto his side. So David tells her to go and get the prophet Nathan and Benaiah. And he tells them, this is what, I'm going to, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take my mule... And I want you to put Solomon on the mule. I want you to take him down to the Gihon Springs. And I want you to come into into the city. And I want you all to say, long live King Solomon. And so as they do this, they get the mule. They get Solomon. They put him on the mule. And they're going into the city. They're making these. They're saying, you know, long live King Solomon. What happens is... All these people are suddenly drawn to him, and, and, they, and they start to follow him in this great procession, and they're all cheering, and they're saying, this is our king, and, and, they, go, and they go right up to G- the Gihon Springs, and, and there the prophet Nathan anoints Solomon as the king of Israel, and as a consequence, this is all of them, 1 Kings, the first chapter, As a consequence, the text says that the jubilation of the people, that their shouts shook the earth. So you can see how God used this this account of of David and Solomon, how Solomon was acclaimed as their king. In this very unusual way. Because he was sitting on David's mule. It was a statement. That from David that he now is your king, and the people resonated to that, and they acclaimed him, and they were glad that he was their king. Could you imagine? David is on his deathbed, and the people are nervous. Who's going to take over? Isn't this an opportunity for someone to come in and attack us? They were afraid, but David gave them the assurance that God's anointed king like him was going to be on the throne and they would be safe and secure because God was with Solomon. So you can see how that prophet, how Zechariah, that when, when, when he wanted to give the people a sign so that they would know that when they saw the Messiah riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, that they would know that this was God's anointed king that would calm their fears, that would save them. That's what the word Hosanna means. Save us. But it's a shout of acclamation adoring the one that has come to save. So it's interesting. Solomon did become the king. And you know what's interesting? Under his reign, the the borders of Israel stretched to what God had promised Abraham. That his his knowledge, his wisdom was world-renowned. That there was truly, this was the golden age of Israel, never to be repeated in human history on this side of the return of Jesus Christ. But Solomon, his greatest, greatest feat, the greatest deed that he performed was to construct the temple in Jerusalem, God's temple. And if we go to the sixth chapter of 1 Kings, his temple is described as this lofty, beautiful building with porticoes and courts. But the inner part of it, the inner part, the priestly court, the court of the, of the Gentiles, of the Jewish men, the Jewish women, the priests, and then finally the Holy of Holies. It describes some of the beauty there of the door into the Holy of Holies, and of the floor and the ceilings. And you know what's really interesting is that the walls and the ceiling and even some of the panels in the floor were carved with certain things, with cherubim, with angels, with flowers. But was, what is most interesting is the text is very clear that if you were to be in the inner courts of the temple, you would see carved into the wooden planks that make the wall, carved into them and overlaid with gold, are palm trees. Everywhere you would look, you would see angels and you would see flowers and you would see palm trees. It's a beautiful thing. The palm is, a, is an amazing plant. And if you go, I've been to Israel, and if, if uh, you've been to Israel, you see that many of the palms and the ones that are seen as the most valuable are the date palms. They're beautiful. They're, they've got these massive trunks, and they've got these beautiful fronds on the top of them. And they bear the most beautiful fruit, dates, and, you know, dates have amazing characteristics. When, you, when, they, when they, you dry them, they'll literally last for years. And their sweetness is amazing. And their nutritional qualities, you could look it up, you could Google it, are amazing, unparalleled in, in the world of, of fruits. So you can see why they would be in in the temple and also the one of the beautiful things about a palm is that its roots go deep into the soil and it finds water it just keeps going that root keeps going down until it finds water and those that deep root then holds that palm in place and then if You'll see them. I mean, it was an amazing thing to see. We went to Jericho. It's called the City of Palms. Wherever there's water and you see these palms and they know exactly where the water is. And and there they are. Everything is dry. Everything is barren. But yet, what you see, what's beautiful and green are these palm trees, these date palm trees that are there in the middle of the drought, bearing fruit, standing tall. And when the cold comes, they laugh at the cold. And when the winds come, they blow. Those terrible desert winds, they'll blow them. And it looks like they will break, but their stalks, God made them so that they can withstand the wind. And when it blows, they stand up. And if they've lost some fronds, God made them so that they grow back. And they look beautiful and healthy again. You can see why God loves the palm tree. How he made it in such an exquisite way. And the temple was adorned. And that's when, if you look at um, our psalm for today, which it was Psalm 92. Just a beautiful psalm. And you know, the amazing thing is that psalmist... I mean, he knew, this is a psalm of the Sabbath, he knew about how all those plants, all those palm trees, were all over the inside of the temple, in the most, in, within the inner courts, and in the holy of holies. And you know, the interesting thing about this psalm, is that we did not read the whole psalm, we read the beginning and the end, but in the middle... In the middle, it, there is a, uh, the verses speak about the psalmist looks at the world. He looks at the world and he looks at people that don't praise God, that don't believe in God. And he describes them like grass that just grows up and when it gets hot, it withers. It's gone but it's different for the song uh, the palm those now this this is just listen to this it's amazing those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God like palms It's beautiful being planted there in the house of God. It's this belief that the wicked rise up out of nowhere, out of the earth, and they're dispersed. But the righteous are planted by God in his house, in his courtyards. What a beautiful thing. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord and righteous means to be in a right relationship with God. What a great prayer to be planted in God's house, to be planted in the inner courts of God's sanctuary. Well, you know, the one who rode into Jerusalem the day that uh, in, in the gospel lesson, Jesus, and the people were waving palm branches at him. One of the things we can't forget is that Jesus said that he is the temple of God. That the people could destroy the temple and in three days it would be raised up. And he was speaking about himself. He was speaking about himself. When he was crucified, and when he died, he would rise up. And when he rises up, he take he supplants, he supplants, he gets rid of that temple in Jerusalem, and he becomes the the temple of God. He becomes the presence of God in the universe. And when we are baptized, we are baptized into Jesus, and God plants us into that temple, into Jesus. We're united with Him. I mean, Paul talks about that. He says, when we're we're baptized, we're united with Jesus. We're united in His death. We die to sin and rise to new life. We're united with Him in a resurrection like His. We receive the Holy Spirit, and we are become the palms that are rooted in the courts of Almighty God. We become a part of the body of Christ, the temple of God. We become palms there. And you know what's amazing, when you look in the book of Revelation... It, Revelation 7, 9. You know, in there on that day, on that first Palm Sunday, you had the people that were standing there at the side of the road saying, Hosanna, save us, Jesus. Make and It was like they were playing, p- praying, make us palms in your house. Plant us in your house, Lord. And then you listen, read Revelation 7, 9. And John now, the apostle John, the author of the gospel and the author of Revelation, said, After this I looked up, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb that's so important this the idea that here there's this connection between palm sunday and heaven that when Jesus died on the cross, he opened the gateway to eternal life for all who believe. For all the righteous. And there they are. And there they, we will be also. Standing with the Lamb in God's house in heaven with these palm branches. What a beautiful thought. But Jesus says, but you are a palm now. You are a palm tree that's, that's rooted and planted by God in me. I have made you a palm. And like every palm, you can withstand everything that comes against you. The winds of life. The winds of war, the, everyone's talking about what's going on right now, why there aren't people in church this Sunday, this, this COVID-19 virus, and the war that it's waging globally, that is keeping people apart, that is changing the way we live. It's making people physically sick and making us all isolated and our whole world sick. But yet Jesus says, you are my palm trees. You're planted in me. You're rooted in me. You know, we're going to have, there's a lot of people that have a lot of time. Jesus is saying, this is an opportunity for my palm trees to open my word and to read my word and let your roots sink sink deeper into me. I am the, the water of life, the living water, Jesus says, sink your roots into me. I am the bread of life, and I'll feed you. I'm the, I'll feed my trees. I'll water my trees, and you will grow. And, and when this world, when the winds blow, Jesus says, I've made you so that you can take that wind. That even though it looks like you're going to be blown over and break, have no fear. I am with you. I will hold you up. And when there's a drought, when we, and the drought that we feel is that we can't be with people, we can't be a part of a group. I mean, we, we just miss each other. It's just a drought. And Jesus says, but I am with you. Feel my arms around you. Feel my comfort and pray that my comfort, my arms would be around more and more. And as our roots sink deeper and deeper and deeper into Jesus through His Word, He promises that the Holy Spirit will help us to bear fruit, to bear dates, But the fruit that will bear is peace, love, joy, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the things that we need today. These are the things that we have that help us to keep going but fruit is also for others it's for others to have so that when we have peace when we have gentleness when we ha- are faithful when we listen when we try when we pray these all these things will feed others will help others you know the virus is contagious But so is calmness, so is kindness, so is gentleness, so is self-control, so is love. Those are equally contagious. And Jesus says, let me prove that to you. As you show your gifts, as your fruit grows, then that fruit will be contagious. It will change you, and I will use it to change others. That's the message we need to hear today. We need to hear on this Palm Sunday that Jesus has made us palms, that he will water us,